go. Episode three. Um, I think episode three is actually Revenge of the Sith. I said the last episode, episode two, was Revenge of the Sith, but uh, I think that was Attack of the Clones. Yeah. Which is... There's a weird thing with the Star Wars prequels now where people are sort of trying to uh, reframe their initial reaction to them and say they're actually not that bad, but... Um, Hmm. I can't get on that train. They are exactly yeah. as bad as as you They're remember just, them. Yeah, to be I I because I was watching uh, Phantom Menace when it was on, and it it I didn't think it was like the worst of the three, but it was quite boring. There's a, yeah, a like lot it, of like government like yeah <laughs> trade routes and taxation yeah. talk and yeah galactic senate mm. nonsense and uh, yeah, just a lot of a lot of really awful racist stereotypes as mm. well. Uh, and it's like, oh, it's okay because they're aliens, but it's like, come yeah. on, come on. Um, anyway, sidetracked already. Uh, welcome to Junior Funners, the only Arsenal podcast, as uh, as far as I'm aware. Um, I've done, you could say, limited research uh, into that, but uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure we're the only anyone in town. Uh, the we being me, Oli Munster, and uh, my beautiful co-host, Mr. Lawrence Yates. Hello. Yeats. And uh, yeah, we're back back in the fun shack, baby. Back mm. in the fun shack. Um, we've not received any other suggestions, I don't think, um, for for names. So yeah, for the time being, it's the fun shack. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we are, we're recording in the afternoon again. It's nice outside, not quite as warm as it was before when we were recording, but uh, we're making do. Again, apologies for any background noise I might be filtering through, or... If it's relaxing and ambient and slightly meditative for you, uh, we did it on purpose, so you're welcome. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, back off. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's, um, belch one of the episode. I'm drinking, uh, switched up again this week, drinking Heineken, uh, not Heineken, no longer drinking Heineken, I should say. I'm drinking Budweiser. This appears to be a limited edition World Cup uh, Budweiser, um, so slightly concerned about how old it is and whether it's still in date, but... Uh, Oh, yeah, look at that. The expiry date is May. Uh, so, yeah, just about just about <laughs> okay to drink this. I have the same thing with uh, Easter eggs mm. last year. Yeah. Still have a um, celebration. Anyway. You can't. You, you have to eat them on Easter, though. That's the rule. Yeah. You, can't, I, you know, I, you got to, even if they're grody and covered in mm, mold. Yeah. Then there's chocolate and sugar. It's fine. Yeah. Anyway. That's true. It's garbage, isn't it? So it's, yeah. you know. Whatever it is, it's not going to be good for you, so you might as well mm. just, yeah, dive in. Um, so, yeah, we're here talking Arsenal and that, so let's get on with it. Uh, here's Arsenal news. So... Not a great week. Nope. <laughs> um, yeah. So we, I, I, two two matches have occurred since we last recorded. Uh, there was the home match with Crystal Palace on Sunday, Easter Sunday, and uh, as we we're recording this last night, they played away at Watford and Wolves. Sorry, not yet. Yeah, we're talking about Watford was when we first recorded. I'm yeah. stuck in the past. I'm stuck in the yeah. I was close. W. It's a W team. Mm. Wolves. And uh, we lost both of them. Um, yep. So, where do we start? I mean, 
Sunday's match, uh, it's pretty kind of obvious where things went wrong um, defensively. Well, we can put it on one guy, mainly. Yeah. yeah. I hate to... Arsenal dipshit of the week, or is that... Or is it too soon? I don't, yeah, maybe if we, if we don't have another candidate by the end, but but yeah, possible dipshit of the week for for junior funners, Shkodran Mustafi. Mm. Um, don't like being too negative about individual players, but <laughs> come on, man, he he. It's not the first time he's done this either. Mm. Um, I would be surprised if he's there next season. To be honest, if, well, not just surprised. I'd be pretty angry if he was there next season. We should have, like, because I read, um, oh, last season he was rumoured to join Inter Milan. It's like, we should have sold. Should have yeah. sold. This is like stock market. Sort of. Yeah, that <laughs> just, was the time to sell. tap out. That's yeah. the time to sell. That was the time to get out. Just um, sell him. Who cares? Yeah. Like, anyway. Yeah. Um, it's like, it reminded me, it reminds me of, like, when I used to play uh, on FIFA. And you got to remember not to hold the sprint button when you're defending. Yeah. Because, and that's what he's like. He's like, he's yeah. holding the sprint button. As he's defending, so he's just completely out of place. Or yeah. he just doesn't even have any awareness of uh, of anything. I don't know whether he's It like... is weird, because, yeah, he'll sort of sprint and wander off, but he doesn't... He's not known for his pace, is he? Like no. he, he He sort of loses, like, one-on-one runs against attackers. He tends to come off worse most of the time. I don't think of... Hmm. I can't really remember a time where he, he sort of had to chase down a player he, and he's won the ball back. He keeps doing... The, I've noticed a lot of uh, Arsenal players are doing this now. They keep holding their hand up to the referee or the linesman, trying to like claim a foul or offside. And it's like no, you just keep playing. Yeah, yeah. I think because they yeah. possibly because they play a fairly high line, mm. and it is you know some of the time it comes off. But yeah, yeah. you can't you can't just rely on that the whole time. It, it's sort of pathetic, really. It's like, the worst one was just on the third Crystal Palace goal when he just. Decided he was going to try and play off side trap, and yeah. uh, when there was three other Arsenal players keeping MacArthur on side, and, yeah, it was uh, nuts. Why? So why does he try? And uh, why? What are you doing? What are you doing? Are you working for Tottenham or something? What are you doing? Yeah, yeah. Hmm. I think I, maybe he thought he was going to get sold to Inter Milan last season as hmm. well, and when it didn't happen, he's just pissed off about it. I hmm. don't know, but yeah. So for anyone that, that uh, didn't know the score, it was it, it was ended up three uh, two to Palace. Um, which was a shock, really. I mean, Arsenal. Arsenal's whole thing is that they're really good at playing at home. They've only lost one match yeah. first, all season at home. First loss since uh, opening uh, opening day of the opening season day. against Man City, mm. which is kind of understandable given how good Man City are. Uh, so yeah, to lose at home to Palace in the manner that they did was pretty crushing. <laughs> Um, like Christian Benteke hadn't scored in a oh year. God, yeah. That makes it even just why this is why we are the bad club now. Yeah. Like Christian Benteke hadn't scored in a year, and only against Arsenal does it happen that he's. You know, Not only that, I think he set up their second goal, yeah. didn't he? We make someone like Christian Benteke look like he's a world beater. Yeah. Remind everyone, you know, that he cost whatever it was, forty million quid. Yeah. <laughs> when Palace bought him off of Liverpool who also paid like the best part of 40 million quid for him mm. I, yeah Ugh, yeah so that was uh, that was pretty grim uh, and then yeah away match uh, to Wolves yesterday I mean my, I'll be honest my hopes weren't exactly high that we'd mm. get a result I think I thought that getting a draw would be a, a decent result um, drew against them earlier in the season from a late equaliser 
but to go 3-0 down within the first half and to get one goal back with 10 minutes to go just it's not good enough it's is like, it really like yeah. it's yeah it's like that uh, the, uh, what was it I can't remember if it was the first goal or the second goal um, where it was from a corner and Wolves passed the ball back to uh, I think it was their wing back I assume it's their wing back because they play free at the back yeah and um, yeah that's when because I remember from when uh, uh, I'm not a tactical genius but even I know that's when you push up your defensive line yeah try to get out of the box yeah and they just stay there they don't move yeah so like, like they haven't like they think the offside rule doesn't work, like it's not a thing anymore or something like they they just get yeah yeah they like they I don't know it's like yeah they're responding like two seconds after the thing happened like they're, they're reacting mm. so slowly they're either too high stuff like that. too deep yeah it's like I don't know use the like edge of the 18 yard box as kind of like a guide I, I, yeah I don't know. I'm not a Tactical genius, but it's like yeah, you're no, uh, you're no, uh, no. I'm no Mourinho. Tim Sherwood. You're no Tim Sherwood. I'm no Tim Sherwood, but even I know. Yeah, that uh, you're no Frank De Boer. When uh, when uh, you know push up from corners when the hmm. ball goes out, you push up. Anyway, <laughs> um, yeah. So that that leaves the challenge for the top four. Yeah, it's not looking too good. Three matches to go. Hmm. Um. I think we got one more home match before the end of the season against Brighton. Um, then we got Leicester and Burnley. Is it? I yeah, think, yeah. I mean, Burnley is famously a difficult place yeah. to play away. And they've somehow picked up form. I think they've been. Yeah, I'll have to check the stats later, but I think they've been one of the better in this second half of the season. Basically, yes, yeah, completely different teams of the first half. The since season. they went out of the Europa League, yeah, they, uh, yeah, they've they've looked uh, not just like old Burnley, but better than old Burnley. like you know they've actually been scoring more than one goal in a mm. match and stuff like that like it's yeah they've they've looked pretty impressive especially at home yeah and, and ever since Joe Hart's not been in goal yeah brought, uh, was it Heaton? I don't know what's happened to Nick Pope but um yeah Tom Heaton mm. much better goalkeeper than Joe Hart yeah anyway this isn't a Burnley podcast anyway. no go listen to um yeah. Burnley go listen to Burnley cast for that yeah but uh yeah it, it, it's looking pretty grim for Arsenal now in terms mm. of uh pushing for the considering a couple of weeks ago they could easily have sewn up third place more or less by now um yeah they're now sort of reliant on Chelsea and United and Spurs yeah. fucking up pretty spectacularly I think is it Man United to still have to play Chelsea or is it um I think it, it, yeah I think they do still have to yeah, play so each other that kind of is a bit of a mm. hopeful all I want is uh is a 22-man brawl and points deducted. That's what I want. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. And it's, you know, not too unlikely. Um, everyone at Man United seems pretty pissed off yeah. and everyone at Chelsea also seems pretty it's pissed like, off. So As soon as they gave Solskjaer that contract, they've been shit. Basically. And everyone's, could, everyone's fed up with Sarri at Chelsea. You could see it happening, yeah. It's, it's, it's like hilarious. Yeah. I remember that interview Gary Neville did with uh, Solskjaer after they beat Paris Saint-Germain. Somehow... Uh, dodgy Man United getting through the last minute on a penalty. Then he's like, oh, uh, when's, when's, when are they going to sign the contract? How much do you want? It's like, oh, this is just disgusting. Yeah. God. I was watching, I, I watched the the City-United match last night 
and um, afterwards they had they had Roy Keane and Gary Neville in the studio, and Roy Keane was just fuming. Yeah, like Gary Neville funny. was trying to stand up for the defenders, mm. um, but Roy Keane was just his voice kept going higher and higher and higher. He was rolling his eyes every time. Yeah, Gary Neville was trying to. Sp- in a positive way yeah like and oh, was, this is just as this is as good as Man United got yeah this is as good as I got he's just sitting there like he just yeah he just would get higher and higher it was almost like a Reese Darby character like his voice would just go higher and higher um and it like he also he also wouldn't look at anyone that was the thing I noticed that like let you know that he was truly furious he he would just sort of stare off into the middle distance every time he talked. He, he wouldn't look at the, whatever that guy is that hosts the, the live coverage or any of the other pundits that were talking to him. He didn't look anyone in the eye. He just sort of stared off like a thousand yard stare. Like he was just going to go out into the car park and strangle Gary Neville after the show or something. Like he just, yeah, he was absolutely fuming, um, which is very funny. It's very, yeah. very funny. I mean, Roy Keane would give that to stare that sort of stare at somebody for wearing, uh, you know, gloves on a slightly cold day. You know? Yeah, yeah, he's uh, you're not wearing long. You're not wearing your short shorts and a short sleeve shirt on the middle of December. He's yeah, we Come can break your legs. <laughs> Roy Keane, we can charitably describe as being of the old school. Yeah, um, yeah, as in. He just doesn't have a clue anymore. Kick, he'd rather kick lumps out of people. That's yeah. his idea of a good football game. You know, mm. Everybody trying to ruin each other's careers by breaking ankles and stuff. Yeah, I think his track record as a manager kind of speaks for itself, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, whether it's at Sunderland or at the, yeah, managing the Republic of Ireland with Martin O'Neill. Um, yeah, just a, just a real dinosaur. Just a I complete, remember- like... Just a he's a relic from another another time. Like, I remember was it when England went out at the World Cup and he was the only one sitting there with a big smile on his face. <laughs> like everyone else was really upset and annoyed, and he was yeah. just sitting there like, "This is the greatest day ever." Yeah, I love this. I can't really begrudge him yeah. that as a you know as a yeah as, as an Irishman, yeah. but yeah, yeah. It, I just yeah everything else about him um, just I yeah I, I'm so glad the game has sort of moved on from mm. that type of play now but yeah so yeah do you so I get prediction time three games to go do you reckon Arsenal will get in the top four um I think they're pro- most likely probably get um oh I th- mm. I'm just gonna say they're probably they could get fourth place but it's just how um Chelsea Man United Fairs and uh, it's the thing against Leicester. That's another game. They're quite. They're looking good now. They're, yeah, they're they looking are. slightly better now under Brendan Rodgers. But yeah, and they yeah. got a lot, of, a lot of very good, very young players yeah. in that team. I think they, I think Arsenal, unfortunately, are going to have to do what they did last season and try and bank on Europa League again. Yeah, I mean Valencia aren't aren't that good. I mean. I think we could still beat Valencia. Well, since, yeah, since they got rid of Mustafi, they've been terrible. Yeah, yeah, since they, yeah we bought him for $35 million, which is just... Jesus, that's depressing. Yeah. Man. Back in the days when... Yeah, I was looking this up. But I don't know if I should bring it up now or later. I don't know if you want to talk about I it. I think well, we'll talk about it. Yeah. Like, you're talking about like transfer fees. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Because I was... I, yeah, I was... I, I mentioned this yesterday to um, the... 
the guys in the fantasy football league that we're, we're in, we're in a, a group chat together. Um, it's wild to think that over, like since Pep Guardiola took over Man City, City and United have probably spent about the same amount on players. I would have thought like their their overall spend on transfers has probably been about the same, but just wildly different results, mm. um, especially on defenders. Like you look at like City's back four is the best part of. 200 million quid or thereabouts and you think of like all the defenders that like United have brought like you know like Lindelof and Bayali yeah. and yeah like just and then in front of that you got fucking Fred <laughs> and yeah Jesus just uh, like Matic, to show for it Matic just seems to like just he seems to just spectating games now I watched um, the highlights when they played Everton and he was just sort of just sort of just like a spectator just watching everything going on around him that was the one consolation on Sunday yeah. losing to to Palace sucked at home but yeah seeing United just completely crumble oh. and lose 4-0 to Everton was um, pretty amazing it, it's yeah that was that was very very funny think, um, yeah De Gea seems to have just dipped in form and just I don't know whether he's just not trying anymore. I don't know whether the I think, yeah, I think he, team isn't trying. But. Honestly, I think he might just be fed up of having to do all of the work in that yeah. defence. Like, I think he's just fed up. You know, like they, they've got either defenders that just aren't good or defenders that are just too old to really mm. keep up and compete at this top level. You look at like, you know, players like Ashley Young and Chris Smalling and Phil Jones that have been there forever. And then, like, you know, on top of that, like, it's, yeah, like, like I said, they got, like, you know, Matteo Damian and players like that it's, it's, it's pretty depressing if you're a United fan which is all good for us and mm. Arsenal but still yeah. no excuse for what happened uh, during this week it was pretty bad yeah it's like no matter how bad they did they've always got like a comeback to us like oh you lost yeah although it is I, one of the things especially like because of the, like their rivalry with Liverpool like one of the sort of common criticisms of Liverpool fans in general is that they always talk about the past you know they're all, they never shut up about you know Istanbul 2005 mm. or winning the Champions League five times and stuff and it's like but no one seems to call United fans out for never shutting up about the class of 92 or that time Giggs scored against Arsenal oh, in the yeah. FA Cup like you know we've got to hear about that bullshit all yeah. the time but the second a Liverpool fan mentions that you know, Steven Gerrard did this. It's like, oh yeah, okay, living in the oh, past. Oh, yeah. Do you remember when he slipped up at, uh, against Chelsea? Yeah, or... that was pretty funny. But yeah. yeah, it's yeah. So I don't know. I'm kind of on Liverpool's side if they win the league because that'll be another kind of hmm. dig, a dig in the wound of uh, of United. <sighs> yeah. Sorry, United fans, but not really. I mean, why are you listening to this anyway? If you are a United fan, come on, it's a it's a Gunners podcast. But thank you for listening. Thanks for downloading. Subscribe and write a review because um, it helps us. Anyway, that's that's Arsenal news. Nothing else really to talk about, is there? Um, no. I think, yeah, uh, Europa League is next week. Is that right? Was it uh, the week after? I'm not sure. Oh, dear. Uh, whatever. But yeah, nothing really Yeah, nothing really else to, to discuss there. Hopefully, Aubameyang's back at the weekend um, and we can... Yeah, maintain yeah, some dignity. Missed him dignity. on uh, Wednesday. Really did. Really I mean, yesterday. Did. Yesterday. Yeah, it was Wednesday. It was Wednesday. Yeah, but yeah, we yeah we I think we missed him and Ramsey to be honest. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, not really enough creativity um, or reliable creativity in that team to uh, come back from 3-0 down <laughs> without those two. Anyway. I will say, to be fair to Ozil, that he was... He did slightly well on Sunday, you know, it was, um, but yeah, it's not enough. No, it, I I feel like he's, whatever he does now is kind of too little too yeah. late. You know, he's, he's just had so long and so many chances and so many opportunities in big games to show up. And it's just like, uh, yeah, unless, like, unless we literally win the Europa League because of him. Hmm. Uh, and I think even then it's a bit like, yeah. well, where were you? But yeah, he's he's got a long way to go if he's actually going to, I think, turn people around on him. And I don't see him doing that. No. But uh, yeah. Yeah, so that was that was uh, this week's very depressing Arsenal news. Uh, moving on. Um, we're going to do a, uh, a new segment. Hopefully it becomes a, a regular thing. Where, because we've got people... Who there's a we want to sort of go after the demographic of people that like us and like listening to us, but don't necessarily like or know anything about football. So we want to make it a bit more accessible uh, than we, you know than we already do by uh, doing a a beginner's guide each week to a, a different aspect of of the game or a different piece of Arsenal lore or history or whatever. So this is the beginner's guide. Dot dot dot. <laughs> makes as much sense uh you know to do a beginner's guide to arsenal for our first segment given that this is an arsenal podcast so this is the beginner's guide to arsenal fc for uh those unfamiliar those that are familiar sit tight you might just learn something so according to wikipedia lawrence um arsenal football club is a professional football club based in islington london mm. Uh, that plays in the Premier League. Uh, they've won 13 league titles, a record of 13 FA Cups, two League Cups, a League Centenary Trophy, 15 FA Community Shields, one UEFA Cup Winners' Cup, and one Intercity Fairs Cup. <laughs> um, all of those are equally as important as each other. I think we can agree. Yeah. The Intercity Fairs Cup, yeah. especially. I remember that. Uh, so, yeah. Club was founded in uh, October 1886. Um, it says it founded as Dial Square. I thought they were founded as Woolwich Arsenal. I thought that was where the name came from, but um, they might have been later on. Yeah, maybe that. Maybe they did come later on. Um, yeah, Dial Square, the workplace of Arsenal's founding fathers, and yeah. Anyway, um, so yeah. I believe in that first season they played. They didn't play in their now famous red and white strip. They borrowed uh, football shirts from another local club that were claret in colour, and that was why in the two thousand was it two thousand five two thousand six season they wore claret shirts to celebrate the whatever that would have been one hundred and fifty years or whatever. Two thousand six. Yeah. Basically, I think was the last season they were at Highbury, wasn't it? Hmm. Um, so yeah. Um, yeah, so the, that that's when they started. I think in the thirties they were managed by Herbert <laughs> Herbert Chapman. Herbert Chapman, yeah, who um, one of the he, one of the first great sporting dynasties, I think, of, of, or at least in in football. Um, they won a bunch of stuff, and 
Yeah, the things he's credited for here. He helped introduce the WM formation, floodlights, and shirt numbers. Added the white sleeves and a brighter red to Arsenal's kit. So we've got Herbert Chapman to thank for all that. Um, so yeah, that was in the 30s. And then for a long time, nothing happened. I think Liam Brady uh, played at some point uh, for the team. Um, but then in 1996, uh, in the middle of... Uh, was George Graham. Uh, oh yeah, George Graham. Uh, didn't he have to step down for... He was like... There was some scandal, right, where he had to leave or something. I can't Am I remember. making that up? I don't know. But yeah, George Graham uh, was also manager at some point. Um, I think we won, um, under George Graham, we won a UEFA, UEFA Cup against Palmer, I believe, in the mid in the 90s. He did, yeah. yeah. He did win some... Yeah, so Graham's Arsenal uh, won... Yeah, they won the title in 99, uh, the 90-91 season. And then they lost one match. They won the FA Cup. They won the League Cup, and they won the European Cup Winners' Cup. Um, uh, yeah, Graham's reputation was tarnished when he was found to have taken kickbacks from NA from uh, from an agent Rune Haig for signing certain players. So it was like a, a tapping up thing. Um, so kind yeah, of thing what Chelsea been doing? Yeah, <laughs> basically. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he got he got sacked, and then uh, Bruce Rioch took over. Yeah. Um, but he was only there for one season. I think he left in the middle of the 96-97 season um, yeah. after falling out with the directors, apparently, and that was when Arsene Wenger was uh, appointed by then-chairman David Dean. Um, and that's kind of when it all gets interesting, um, for us at least. That's kind of why we're here. He changed... Wenger changed the whole thing in terms of how the English game was played he, uh, the, the the style of play the, well, the high tempo passing yeah before then English football was probably known for what extremely muddy pitches yeah. uh, long balls hard tackles yeah uh, and all that sort of thing yeah ridiculous shorts shorts that basically yeah. go down to your ankles and uh, and that was that hairstyle they used to have in the 70s they uh, used to have it perms yeah yeah, I mean it is it is wild. If you go back now and try and watch like clips from matches from the seventies and eighties, extremely awful looking stadiums that are just it's and it's so slow as well. Yeah. Like the, the actual games are so like it's like a five aside boring <laughs> like five aside sort of forty year olds playing. It is yeah, and it's like like you didn't have to be in that good a Cause shape because they, they were all you know alcoholics and smokers and yeah, not like, like today. They'd literally be having like bags of chips at half time yeah. like they, they'd be getting like yeah they'd be having like fish and chips at half time um and then coming out and playing for another for another 45 minutes like it's yeah it's nuts you go back and, and watch and it so that's kind of why if you're ever watching a football match or you're watching a match today or whatever and there's some pundit saying you know talking about if they were if they were still playing they'd be doing this or back when they were playing you used to be able to do this yeah just take it with a pinch of salt because that doesn't necessarily mean the game was any better when they were able to for example robbie savage if you ever see robbie savage or anything and he's constantly talking about if i was still playing robbie savage was not a good footballer mm. like ever in his career i think we can all agree on that he's played for a lot of clubs and i assume somebody out there has some affection for him but he is similar to Roy Keane, just of another time. Like he is of the kind of, if you can't catch up with someone, just kick them in the back of the heels and hope you get away with, or just take the hit and get the yellow card. Or if you can't keep the ball, just chase after it aimlessly until someone else gets it back for you. Like, yeah. And when you get the ball, just hoof it. Mm. Don't try to pass. Don't try to like, yeah. 
kick it, yeah, just kick it, it as hard and as far as you can, and uh, some as, as hard and as far as you can, mm. uh, and just hope that the striker that you're aiming at gets on the end of it and maybe heads it into the. Into try and get try and get the uh, second ball, as they call it, when yeah. you hoof the ball along and then the centre forward heads it down. That's called a second ball when it get you know. Yeah. Yes. You get the second ball, get a restart. That's why you. That's yeah. basically Sam Allardyce's football. Yeah, that's why for a long time uh, English football teams would have you'd have like a six foot plus centre forward. You have like a, a, a tall, like a tall, beefy guy, and this still happens in in a lot of teams. Um, I mean, Burnley's yeah. in many ways a prime example. When yeah, I mean, well, a lot of like Mourinho's, all of Mourinho's teams yeah. have like a he's got you know whether it's Drogba or Benzema or Lukaku. It, you know he has Stoke. he has like a but yeah there's always like a giant yeah. uh, guy to just knock the ball down and there'll be like a, a shorter quicker guy that mm. can hopefully pick the ball up and just smash yeah. it and that's really not that entertaining to watch like I said if, if you go on YouTube and just look at clips from matches in the 70s 80s even like the early 90s like it, it, some of them are just it's mind boggling that football was ever as popular as it was because it's just so dull some of it um, but then Wenger came along um, having I think previously to that he'd only managed a couple of clubs and he'd, he'd been at Monaco in the French League yeah and he won in, I think he was in won. Japan and then yeah he'd also managed in Japan um, which is I, I assume football or soccer must be pretty big in Japan um, yeah I think so but it's because they they hosted the World Cup a few years back didn't they yeah. but yeah you don't really hear much about like the Japanese leagues um, no, there's um, well, it's it's become a sort of retirement league for like, um, Fernando Torres is there, Iniesta plays there, and even yeah. Lucas uh, Lucas Podolski, yeah, is a lot playing of, in Japan right now. A lot of players, yeah, they retire to the Asian <clears throat> leagues, like yeah, yeah, China and uh, and and Japan and um, Korea, yeah, a lot. They just I guess because there there's a lot of money being pumped into into those. Um, Little side note, uh, the. I remember, I think I heard a story when Iniesta was playing in Japan. Initially, I think they brought in a double. To, <laughs> did you hear about this? I think no. I think this might be... I don't know if this is true or not. But we strain into InfoWars territory. No, yeah. no, no, no. It was like... Some, I don't think he was there, so they brought on somebody who kind of looked like him. <laughs> I'll have to look at this up. But, uh, what, what, all the Japanese fans yeah, are just like, like ah, your, your white people look alike. Like yeah. They couldn't tell. They couldn't yeah. tell the difference. Yeah, I think I'm not sure. I have to check that. I think I heard That's something. Very funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway. So in 1996, uh, Arsene Wenger was appointed manager of Arsenal, and uh, again, as per Wikipedia, new attacking football and an overhaul of dietary and fitness practices and an efficiency with money have defined his reign. So that kind of he sort of brought in this whole aspect of sports science yeah. to to the modern game. This idea that it's not just showing up every Saturday and just sticking to the whatever game plan you've got, hoofing the ball long and whatever. You actually need to be as physically fit as possible in your diet and your daily routine and your regimen and how you sleep and all of that. Like it's, it's, he, The Arsenal players used to have a thing called the Tuesday Club where they would all you know go out drinking on... Mm. On Tuesdays, mm. but uh, yeah, people. That was a thing with Tony Adams. He had uh, problems with alcohol and things. Yeah, I think him and Merson, him and yeah. Paul Merson, um, from that era. So yeah, a lot of players that were previously had been playing for the club that had been. I think uh, John Hartson as well. I think was another yeah. one that um, 
was yeah like to drink and yeah so it went from just getting pissed up in the middle of the week um and being able to you know just eat whatever you wanted and do whatever you wanted to suddenly a very strict calorie count um a lot of fitness training a lot of cardio training um just really focusing on overall physical fitness basically kind of the idea now that like footballers now are basically like thoroughbred horses in that like they have to be like yeah. every aspect of their daily life is, is pretty much kind of monitored and primed for for football to make them you know be able to run as fast and be, be able to withstand tackles and be able to jump higher than everyone else and, and all of that and that all kind of starts with with Wenger coming to Arsenal um, back in the 90s that didn't I'm not saying it didn't exist but it, it that kind of he was kind of the first one to get results with it because after his first season he then went on he won the league with Arsenal in fact I think they won the double after his first season um, winning the FA Cup and the uh, and the league um, and I think that yeah they, they they won the league again didn't they they won three basically under under Wenger so Wenger was manager from 96 until last year last year he finally left the club I mean we'll we'll get to the circumstances surrounding that uh, but you know needless to say what goes up must come down so first 10 years at the club pretty amazing um, revolutionised the way the game was played the way it's viewed um the way players are signed, like, you know, why players are signed, the reasons, you know, the, the, the what clubs would look for in signing a player. Um, changed all of that. Won the league in his first full season. Like I said, he came midway through the, came in midway through the 96, 97, 97 to 98. Won the league and the FA Cup. Um, went on to win um, a bunch of other stuff. Won the league three times. Won, how many FA Cups did he win while he was there? Oh, I can't remember now. Uh, quite a few. Um, I think that's probably up. the one trophy he's um, probably one of the most. I think, yeah, he sort of, yeah, excelled in winning the win. FA Cup, definitely. But yeah, won a bunch of FA Cups, Charity Shields, got to the Champions League final. Um, that was, yeah, that was in uh, 2006. Mm. Yeah. So that was just after, yeah. So the, arguably their most famous achievement, um, the, the game the season before that, when they uh, when they they went to the Champions League final, um, they they went an entire season without losing any matches in the league. They went thirty eight games without losing any of them, um, which still has yet to. That, this was in the that was the two thousand three two thousand four season, wasn't it? Um, I think so. from what I can see here. Okay, well, Wikipedia hasn't laid out this article particularly. It probably should have looked it up before we uh, started recording, but um, you know, fuck you. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. Can you hear me typing away? So yeah, they. My computer. In fact, not only it was they went longer than one season. They went forty-nine games in total. So they went an entire season yeah. and then a, a good way into the following season. Um, without losing any matches from 2003 to 2004, um, which has not been repeated since, I don't think, is it? There's no, no team. There's been other very impressive... Th- I mean, Man City last year won the title with 100 points. That had never been done before. 
um, getting 100 points total over the whole season. But yeah, no one since then, no one's no one's managed to go an entire season without losing a single match. Um, so that was all amazing. Great time to be an Arsenal fan, as you can imagine. Um, and then after the Champions League uh, runners-up phase, it was... How long did they go without winning a trophy after that? Was it 10 years, 11 years? Yeah, it must have been... Yeah, yeah we won in 2014 the FA Cup. So yeah. it must have been around eight years or so. Yeah. Is Yeah, give or take 11... The nearest yeah, we came was the... Was it League Cup against uh, Birmingham City, where we bottled that one? I, we, I think we also got to the League Cup final against Chelsea and didn't... Yeah. Like he, because he got to the final using a kind of second... He used a bunch of like younger players. Um, he used that same lineup for the final and they ended up losing rather than... If you put out like a full-strength squad, they probably would have won it. But, yeah. So, yeah, Wenger's thing was you know he, he would he, he was all about um kind of discovering players like he, finding like very young players uh, that showed a lot of potential and there are there's there's just loads of these stories um where like yeah there's the, just this player or that player 16 17 years old they either come through like the system at the club like the you know like the youth system or they've been signed from another club and they show a lot of promise and they either get injured a lot or or they just don't pan out the way they expect or and this happened a fair few times as well they it turns out they were the real deal and they were that good and they would end up being too good to stay at Arsenal and have to move on to another club um mainly Barcelona Man City yeah Chelsea yeah sometimes United, United. sometimes yeah, yeah. um so yeah, the, the the decade or so following that invincible season was was pretty rough. There were no no trophies. Um, they weren't really competing for the title after a certain point. Um, there would be this pattern where every season they would it would get to sort of January or February um, in in the season and uh, just kind of collapse. Like they yeah. would just lose loads of matches in a row and kind of fall away they usually start the season okay and they'd be talking then maybe challenging for the title but the same thing happened basically every year they'd fall apart at the start of the uh, of the new year everyone would say okay well yeah they're, they're one or two players short of a proper title challenge they need a like a a decent defender and a decent um like defensive midfielder because under Wenger when he when he first came in during those title winning years um, they did have a like a rock solid defense. He kind of inherited a, a lot of it from yeah from that was already George there. Graham yeah George Graham yeah. and Bruce Rioch. But um, even after that, like you know, he's still there. He, he, that sort of because I think the under George Graham and that it was still it was Tony Adams and Steve Bold and Nigel Winterburn and um, who else? Oh man, Lee Dixon. Try, that's it, Lee Dixon. Um, yeah, so you'd have all those guys, and then oh, and Martin Keown as well, um, and then they eventually kind of got to, and then you have David Seaman in goal as well. We've talked a lot about him in previous episodes, but um, yeah, and then they got to all. But then yeah, Wenger did have he brought in Jens Lehmann in goal, and he had uh, Toure and Lauren Sol Campbell. And Sol Campbell I forgot to mention him in the 
last few episodes. Yeah, yeah, that's a kind of an amazing story. Yeah, he left Spurs because mm. he was out of contract. I think and he then got him on a free, was it? Yeah, yeah, he was out of contract mm-hmm. and he came to Arsenal, um, which some could argue is very brave of him. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, but yeah, that, so yeah, it, it, he did have for a while at least a, a very solid defense. But again. <laughs> after we stopped winning so many trophies a lot of those players moved on to more successful clubs um Cashley Cole Ashley Cole Gail Clichy Sanya Fabregas um well well yeah I'm talking about like defenders but oh, yeah oh well, okay and then also the other the other kind of hallmark of the Wenger sides was that there would there would be although they played very attractive attacking minded football where there would be a lot of very quick passing um up the pitch there would always be kind of like a hard man midfielder sat in front of the defenders so you effectively have kind of five men defending the goal um, you'd have like a kind of you know hard man midfielder that would be able to set up attacks but would also sit in just in front of the defenders so again when Wenger first took over it was it'd be like Emmanuel Petit and then and then Vieira took over Ray Parler famously I think Ray Parler played predominantly on the right I oh, believe okay. um, but yeah he was he was kind of he did jump in um, he, yeah he, he would make he would make tackles yeah but okay. um but yeah, yeah. So I think most famously, Patrick Vieira was was kind of the, and that was kind of the, the gold standard for that position. Like every every club wanted a Vieira type player, um, because he was kind of the best at what he did. You know, um, in that kind of that kind of position. I was, or if you're a United fan, you'd probably say Roy Keane. But we've established our feelings on Roy Keane. I yeah. think. Um, he, I suppose the only person he can fuck off. The only player this. Recently, well, he's retired now as well. But the only one who sort of came close to Vieira, I thought, was Yaya Torre, to an extent, maybe. Yeah, yeah, I think probably he, a bit more attack-minded, but yeah, I felt like he probably he definitely scored more goals than Vieira. Yeah. But um, but yeah, definitely in that mould. Yeah, just like a, a kind of a big hard man that you don't want to go for fifty-fifty with. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, and uh, I think yeah after. Vieira kind of got too old to do it or had to retire we had Gilberto Silva as well who um, did it very well although he couldn't you remember, who was it they were playing and he, he took that penalty and it's like he didn't just blast it over like he blasted it like almost out of the stadium oh I don't know that was yeah that was bad but um, but yeah great player other than that hmm. but yeah so the, the all kind of hallmarks of uh, of Wenger era play at, at Arsenal so there was a there was a period of, like I said the first ten years or so he was at the club, just brilliant, um, great football, great to watch. People still kind of talk about it to this day, um, and not just Arsenal fans. You know, people still kind of you know remember how um, revolutionary that uh, that Arsenal see, uh, Arsenal team and that era of Arsenal was to the game in general. Um, and then there followed about 10 years of just unfulfilled potential. Like we said, a lot of kind of getting very close, but not actually winning anything. Um, a very kind of <laughs> very noticeable patterns of going out of various competitions at more or less the same point every year. Would you say, yeah. Lawrence? I mean, like, especially like the Champions League, yeah. like playing, playing against we European always, sides. We always get drawn against either... Barcelona or Bayern Munich or someone like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah Bayern Munich especially, um, and then yeah they usually usually be out of the competition by mid to late March, um, 
uh, rarely getting beyond the initial knockout stages of, of that competition. Um, so yeah, they, they within a few seasons they went from competing for league titles and cups and Champions League and, and all of that to uh, have just settling for finishing within the top four in the league yeah. and just so they could qualify for, for the Champions League the next season. Um, and unsurprisingly, a lot of people got pretty frustrated with that. Um, well, I think it was mainly because we forgot to mention that we used to play at Highbury, which is a fo- quite a different stadium to um, what the Emirates now. It's a much more um, yeah close close quarter stadium, much. But um, yeah, Highbury had, I believe, Highbury had the smallest pitch of any uh, any like Premier League stadium. Yeah. It had the the smallest pitch, so it was, yeah, everything was a lot closer, and that probably suited Arsenal style yeah. of play. They would zip it, zip the ball about a lot easier. Um, but yeah, they then moved to they moved from Highbury, which what was the capacity? Highbury is like thirty thousand or something. Yeah, to a sixty thousand seat uh, arena, the uh, the Emirates, um, the Emirates Stadium, um, and it all just became about balancing the budget. I think that's yeah. one thing you can say is a good thing, but at the same time, you know, you can't really go out and splash cash on on big players. You have to sort of make do with our sort of average or above average players yeah because uh, as as we've said the moment you get anyone that's too good um yeah they get snapped up yeah because <laughs> it's like once uh, we should probably mention as well that since um Arsene Wenger created the formula for a successful Premier League team uh along came sort of big sort of uh what do you want to call them sort of rich people like uh Roman Abramovich who yeah. just Return, return, return football clubs into their little toys, and they would just spend, spend, spend. That was yeah, that was the other big change that occurred within the Wenger era. So yeah, but foreign money um, became a big part of of the league. Like it, initially, it was yeah, Roman Abramovich, the Russian billionaire, who, depending on what websites you read, may or may not be mobbed up. Um, but uh, but yeah, he uh, he he bought Chelsea. He he. Um, yeah, just an oil tycoon that wanted a football club in London. So he bought Chelsea um, and just threw unlimited money at them, basically. And they pretty soon started competing seriously for trophies and ended up winning the league um, and won a bunch of other trophies. And, you know, they, they won the Champions League and, and everything else. Um, and the same thing happened at Man City. Um, you got the, the, the Saudi Arabian sheikhs that... Um, the, uh, did pretty much the same thing. They they bought Man City and pumped infinite money in, into them. And same thing happened. You know, they brought in managers and stuff that uh, were known for winning trophies, and they bought players who were known for winning trophies. And sure enough, they ended up winning a bunch of trophies. Um, and that now is so common that pretty much every team in the league, uh, even like lower, t- you know, even like Fulham, uh, like you know, are owned by. Uh, eccentric foreign millionaires yeah. like you know it, it's it's not even it's not even a big deal anymore when someone like buys a, a football club um, but back then it was yeah it was it was it was huge back in the early 2000s um, and again yeah, Wenger didn't really go in for all that he yeah he was sort of a much more kind of old fashioned kind of prudent um, uh, money manager in, in that regard like you know he wouldn't 
never paid more than what he thought a player was worth. Uh, mm. I think you could probably say uh, of him. Um, very hesitant to kind of go over what he thought would be worth paying for a, for a player. Um, whereas a lot of these other clubs would just spend whatever it took to, to get certain players to the club. Like back in the 90s when uh, we bought like Vieira, it was a player for around five or six million. Yeah. And Thierry Henry was... A- I think 15 like, million. I was going to say 14 imagine, or 15 million. Imagine getting someone like that these days for that amount of money. Not, well, yeah, I mean, there was a time that yeah. Alan Shearer was the most expensive player in the world. Yeah. And he was like, how much was that? That was like 10 million or something, yeah. wasn't it? Like, it's, it's, it seems kind of quaint now to think about. It's nuts. So, was that a motorbike going past? Or is oh, that? just some. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Fast and Furious. Um, but yeah, that was that was kind of a turning point that was a real kind of tide change in uh, in how the game not necessarily was played but just how the game was going to be managed from that point on and yeah Wenger was a very principled man and just didn't really go along with it um, and could argue that was sort of ultimately to the detriment of, yeah. of the club um, it was a very like a very some may say principled some may say stubborn um he did sort of increasingly become stubborn, kind of as the years went on. Particularly when the the Wenger out movement kind of picked up yeah. steam. There was for his final few seasons in charge, there was a increasingly vocal contingent of the Arsenal fan community that that wanted him to go. Um, and I mean, when did you? I mean, I say when. Did, I mean, did you ever kind of come around on on that? No, or? not really. I didn't really like. Um I didn't really wanted to go along with it at first because I just thought you they don't really have a plan yeah. these people of what who they want to bring in what who do they as a manager it's, and it's not just the manager it's the fact that we have an owner now yeah who just doesn't want to invest yeah. in the club and that's the problem so we got yeah the owners we've mentioned before Stan Cronker um, who we, I think we, we mentioned briefly in a, a previous episode uh, is the current owner? He's a is, is he an American man? Yeah. Um, he owns uh, the Denver Nuggets. He owns I can't remember who else, but um, that's one big uh, big hunting guy. I think he um, um, likes likes hunting. Wanted to start like a hunting TV channel. I think he owns what the NF the who was playing the Patriots in the Super Bowl. I think he owns that oh, team. Uh, the the Rams. Yeah, I think he Rams? owns them. I well, think he does. Let's have a look. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, when it comes to Arsenal, he for some reason doesn't want to invest. Yeah, he's a, a weirdo. Um, yeah, owner was yeah. His name's not even on it. It's, it's his company, Sports and Entertainment, Cronker Sports and Entertainment. Chairman is uh, Sir Chips Keswick, which is um, doesn't sound like a real name. Sounds like the name of like a I don't know, like a cartoon duck or yeah. something. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, okay. So yeah, so Cronker Sports and Entertainment, uh, based in Denver, Colorado. So that makes sense. Um, let's have a look. So yeah, yeah, they own the Rams, they own the Nuggets, uh, they own uh, the Rapids, basically all the Colorado sports teams. Uh, yeah, they own Arsenal and the and the women's team, um, and the Los Angeles Gladiators. Who are the Los Angeles Gladiators? Oh, they're an Overwatch esports team. Oh. So that's <laughs> Overwatch. So they're I, jumping I, into the 21st century yeah. there. They they own an esports team. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, they own a bunch of real estate and uh, yeah, a lot of other stuff. So yeah, he, he's got a lot of fingers in a lot of sport related pies um, and 
you're right, does not seem that bothered about Arsenal. Mm. Um, which is kind of a moment. But like I said, it's better than having like a an owner that is just kind of, that just seems to be genuinely trying to destroy the club. Yeah. Because <laughs> I've seen... I've seen that happen with other clubs and it is the other thing I've seen happen is like you said like the the whole sort of Wenger out thing was like okay but like realistically who are they going to get to replace him that's going to be better because and they would say things like oh, Guardiola it's like Guardiola is not going to come to Arsenal I do I, yeah I mean there was there was a, if, they, if they just had an idea of who they want as manager but at the same time yeah it's it's a whole infrastructure at Arsenal that's yeah because there was talk for a while of Wenger taking like a role on the board like taking an upstairs position and then Guardiola being the manager and it was like yeah I mean that would be I don't amazing. Think Guardiola but would want. Why it. would it? Yeah. Why would he? Um, we don't. We don't have like a head of recruitment at the moment. No. <laughs> we don't even have one of them. So we don't have like a director of football or anything. I don't think. Yeah. I or, or do it. I can't remember his name. If he did, but um, the one, the guy who was there previously, he's gone to AC Milan now. I can't yeah. remember his name, but um, yeah, people seem to be jumping ship at Arsenal. Something going on, but um, yeah. I don't know. I, it might be part of a long-term thing where Emery is going to bring in his own yeah, backroom staff, and everyone's just seeing out their contracts or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so yeah, for the final, I'd say four or five seasons of um, Wenger's reign, there was this increasingly vocal part of the fan community that, that wanted him to to leave or to be sacked. Um, but he was never going to be sacked because he, <laughs> at that point, pretty much ran Arsenal. Is yeah. it, like he. Basically, kind of like with Ferguson at United. But, yeah, like yeah. he pretty only much not, he essentially, only not evil. Yeah, he essentially picked his own boss, um, and it was yeah he was never he was never going to get sacked. Um, but yeah, he he dragged it out, he dragged it out, mm-hmm. and uh, he there was this whole talk of is he going to sign a new contract, or is he going to retire, and he kind of went back and forth on that for a long time, and then he signed a contract for an additional two years, and at the end of that first year, announced he was going to leave the club. So, yeah. So that that uh, sort of brings us up to date. Almost, we we now we now have uh, Unai Emery as the manager. He's yeah. a, a Spanish uh, manager from from the Spanish leagues, uh, yeah. from La Liga. He was uh, manager of. Well, he's been va- manager of Valencia, Sevilla. He took Sevilla uh, to f- three Europa League titles in a row. Yeah, and then he moved to Paris Saint Germain as manager for yeah, a couple of seasons. Yeah, one with PSG. Didn't quite work out for him mainly because PSG is when you're the manager at PSG now, you're basically you have to be told what to do. It seems to be yeah, PSG seems to be like the French Chelsea and yeah, they've got like unlimited money and no matter what and you've got loads of <laughs> egotistical players yeah. Neymar and Yeah, whatnot. and Cavani and yeah. yeah, like and um Danny Alves. What, yeah. Who's that defender that always gets sent off? Um Targus not Targus. Um, they have Targus Silva or Marquinhos or um, I can't remember. But anyway, yeah, like the yeah, bunch of players that if they decide they don't like you, they won't play for you. Uh, unlimited money and no kind of <laughs> no reasonable metric for what yeah. success looks yeah. like. Um, you could win everything there is to win, and they will still sack you. Similar to yeah, Chelsea. Chelsea have or sacked Madrid. Yeah, but yeah, Chelsea yeah. have sacked managers that have won them Champions Leagues and league titles months after that has happened. Like, it, you know, like within within six months of winning the Champions League, Roberto Di Matteo was sacked and replaced. Carlo Ancelotti won them the league and was sacked. Like, it, you know, it, it doesn't matter 
what you do as manager of Chelsea. It's such a yeah. weird poison chalice. Um, and it seems like a similar deal at, at PSG. Like you said, you're, you're basically kind of just told what to do while you're there. And if you can't get on with that, you need to go somewhere else. I mean, I didn't want to, like, I don't like, I know, I'm going to sort of brag a bit, but I did kind of think Emery would be a good sort of replacement for Wenger for, even yeah. before he turned up. I was like, he would, he would be good. He just needs time, really, to, if he if he can, bring his own players in. Yeah. Because this is still a Wenger team. Primarily, yeah. 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 There's only that's the problem. Like mentally, they're still in that Wenger, I think mind the late Wenger yeah. mindset, and hopefully, because um, you know he's shown Emery has shown that he is he can do well even with clubs with much smaller budgets than ours. Yeah, it's just as long as he can, someone there who can recruit players and whatnot. Earlier in the season, it did seem as though they were they were doing something that they didn't really do enough of under Wenger which was to just grind out yeah. results like if they get if they were 1-0 up they would just sort of sit in and wait the game out there wasn't that sort of inevitable sense that there was under Wenger where it was like okay but like this is all gonna well, yeah, they're d- way too open well, and it's just gonna like it's gonna bite them in the ass and they're gonna concede right at the very end yeah, all you had to do under a Wenger team was just stick a big guy in the box and just put long balls in. That's all you had to do. Yeah, back to the good old days. Yeah. Yeah, like it was before. Andy Carroll. Because you, from with, uh, our Wenger's teams, they weren't like the most, the toughest team. You could sort of bully them a bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. They, they, they became a, the, a joke. Oh, thing about Arsenal, they always try to walk it in. Yeah. And uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, there's all there's tr- truth in comedy, and you know, yeah. that is not a million miles away from, from what it was like. They did always try and walk it in. Um, Arsenal loner was another one, <laughs> <laughs> I, they call me the Arsenal loner, oh. um, but uh, yeah, but yeah, so yeah, now we, we you know, I mean, I, I remember I, I'd never heard of him until he became the manager, I'll be honest. Um, yeah. The main sort of names, I mean, because the, the, there was there was talk of Mikel Arteta becoming the manager, who was a formerly uh, a Arsenal player and, and club captain at one point, um, who had been, or he still is, uh, part of the management set up at Man City under Pep Guardiola. But I don't think he's he's never like out and out managed on his own. And there is always that there's always that danger of like great players don't always make great mm. managers so I was just sort of like uh, I don't really want this to be his f- I don't want a Tim Sherwood situation yeah, yeah. where this is his first job um, and it, yeah so I was kind of glad that that didn't happen and then I, the other names I was I, like Ancelotti was, was one that was sort of thrown out I was yeah. like I'd be pretty happy with, with him and uh, it was time Massimo Allegri who's at Juventus that was it yeah it was the other one even yeah. then I don't know if he would really have suited Arsenal because he's mm. Juventus aren't necessarily uh, very attractive to watch. No, no, they're no. a bit. They're a bit of a. I like to slug things out a bit. Yeah, the other one that I thought would be a pretty good fit was. Um, uh, I mean, I I don't know that he. <laughs> I, I don't. You know, this is before they won the World Cup. But I thought Didier Deschamps, um, mm. his style of play with the France international team, um, was pretty similar to how Arsenal set up. Obviously, because Wenger was was French and he signed a lot of French players in his time at Arsenal um, so yeah I thought he would have been a pretty good fit if, if he decided to come 
and you know be manage a, a club as opposed to uh, as opposed to the, the French international. But then, like I said, they ended up going on to win the World Cup. So I don't think he's he's not gonna he's not leaving that job anytime soon. No. So yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's Arsenal. Currently, Arsenal are we're we fifth. Just so. now. Yeah. Tottenham, Chelsea, Arsenal, Man United. Like, the rest of the yeah. doesn't really matter because they're like twenty points uh, mm. separates the sixth and seventh. Yeah, and first and second as well. <laughs> it's, yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's um, yeah. So yeah, we're fifth with thirty-five games played. So there's three matches left this season. We've got sixty-six points. Um, so we're yeah currently four points ahead of Tottenham in third, one point behind Chelsea in fourth, and we're two points ahead of Man United uh, in fifth. Um, boy, yeah, that's. I think we just have to bank on the Europa League. Yeah, because otherwise it's going down to the last day of the season. I think. I, again, like I said earlier, I don't think Valencia are going to be as tough as Atletico Madrid were last season. Yeah, like I think Valencia aren't. They're not that. They're not as good. No. But who knows? I could be terribly wrong, but I hope I'm not. I think, yeah, I, I, I can see Arsenal outplaying yeah. Valencia. Uh, Atletico, I, I don't know, because they're very tough. Um, but yeah, so currently, yeah, doesn't it like Arsenal are going to, yeah, uh, finish in the top four, but they are still in contention to win the Europa League, which is uh, the... Second most, uh, <laughs> the, the the second uh, most honourable uh, trophy you can win in European football after the Champions League. Uh, but winning the Europa League, we, we automatically qualify for yeah. the Champions League next season. So, mm-hmm. who knows? We'll have to, you have to you have the uh, Super Cup as a pre-season sort of thing. Oh that's yeah, just... yeah. That's what's that? That is that. That's like the Charity Shield, is it? Or it's is kind of like... yeah. It's kind of like a Charity Shield for like. Uh, UEFA Champions League winner and Europa League winner. So yeah, yeah, the Charity Shield again because it's supposed to be like a beginner's guide thing. Is it, the first sort of before the league season starts. Um, there's always a kind of a, it's a ceremonial match. Doesn't really mean anything, but it will be between the winner of the league and the winner of the FA Cup from the previous season, and that kind of marks the start of the uh, of the of the Premier League season um, so yeah Super Cup is sort of like the European version of that where Champions League winner faces off against the Europa League winner um, and again does not really mean anything but no. it's it's just fun you yeah. know to match them up and see who's better um, yeah just looking at Arsenal's come on sorry I'm looking um, stuff up on my phone yeah it's not very interesting about? trying to yeah. Okay. So yeah. Oh yeah. So it is it is next week. Um, yeah. First leg at home against Valencia hmm. after we play Leicester on Sunday. Um, yeah. And then we got yeah. Then we're at home to Brighton. Second leg against Valencia follows that on the 9th of May, and then last match of the uh, of the season in the Premiership. We're away at Burnley. So yeah. Difficult matches in the league but maybe we can find a way to win the Europa League this is I mean yeah as we said Emery does have a pretty impressive track record in this competition so hopefully we can find a way but um, yeah 
so that's that's the beginner's guide to Arsenal it might have been a bit rambling um, but uh, yeah Got a lot yeah I think we, yeah we you know it, I hope it was easy enough to understand basically Arsenal are a football club based in London and we like them and they're not as good as they used to be but maybe they will be sometime yeah. so every team has its uh, cycle yeah you know? Yeah, peaks and troughs. Peaks and troughs. Peaks and troughs. Look at Liverpool now. You know, mm. like that. You know, they're on the brink of winning the league. But you know, a few seasons ago, they were. Well, they were basically them and Man United had kind of swapped places in that. Like you know, Liverpool were spending just insane amounts of money bringing in players and managers, and st- you know, it was finally going to be their year. It was all going to come together, and it never did. You know, they were almost going to go into administration under um, their previous owners. Well. <laughs> Do you remember that Hick, the Hicks and Gillette guys who um, used to own them? And Very they, vaguely. The Liverpool fans were worried they were going to go into administration. And um, what's his name? The guy who owns uh, who owns them now, who owns Boston Red Sox. Uh, John Henry was his name. It's that's it. Of, yeah, I knew yeah. it was like a the most generic American name mm. you could have. Um, but yeah, but yeah, it's another example of what we're talking about. Yeah, like big foreign money, like you know, like Liverpool owned by uh, yeah. I mean, Liverpool, United, and Arsenal are all owned by by Americans now, aren't they? Yeah. Um, so it's yeah, yeah. It's yeah, I think it's just it's a big big business now. Like the the, the TV rights alone for for football are astronomical. Like that that's a multi billion dollar industry in and of itself. So it's yeah. Like I said, it's not really a big deal anymore when a club gets bought out by a by a crazy rich guy. But there was a time, there was a simpler time. Anyway, um, so yeah, that's that's the beginner's guide to Arsenal. Um, like I said, sorry if we kind of went all over the map there. Lot to cover. Good club, good club. Yeah. You should check them out. So, with that, move on to the uh, the next segment: cultural appropriation. Okay, so uh, yeah, this is uh, where we take a step back from football chat and uh, make some recommendations on pop culture that we're into and stuff we like at the moment and so forth and things of that nature. Um, so yeah, Lawrence, what do you what do you got? What should people check out? Uh, an album an album that came out uh, I think last week is a guy called uh, Bibio. Uh, his real name's Stephen Wilkinson. Uh, yeah, he's got a new album out called uh, Ribbons. Mm. Listening to that, it's quite good. Uh, how would I describe his music? It's kind of like Nick Drake. Not exactly Nick Drake, but he has the sort of plays guitars like Nick Drake, but he also mm. adds kind of like folky. synths and sort of it's sort of like a big arrangement kind of thing where he mixes folk and um, sort of modern. Uh, it's a soft boy music. It's I don't know how to describe it, but it's... Um, Sounds like soft boy music. I guess. I don't know what's... So you're not aware of the soft boy movement? No. Um, there's, a, there's a great Instagram account called Beam Me Up Soft Boy, which I... Oh, you're not on Instagram, are you? No. Um, I don't know if they're on Twitter, but yeah, Beam Me Up Soft Boy is... Basically, it's um, sort of messages that uh, very patient women have been sent by um, well-meaning but often very pretentious uh, young men Um, and uh, yeah they're they're often kind of dropping a lot of the phrases that you've just mentioned to describe this guy not to disparage it 
Mm, um, okay. All the all the soft boys but themselves, he, like I said, they mean well. But it, yeah, it, it sounds like uh, it sounds like soft boy, uh, soft boy territory. I don't know how to describe. It. It's kind of like he mixes folk with sort of um, just electronic music and things. It's quite interesting to me. That kind of a of um, what's that guy's name that you like? Bonnie Vare? Uh, not quite Bonnie Vare because oh, okay. um, he doesn't use his uh, high pitch uh, falsetto voice. Yeah. I don't know what happened to Bonnie Vare. If I want to talk about Bonnie Vare, I'm not sure I really um, as into uh, his current stuff as <laughs> his earlier stuff. But anyway, that's a different thing altogether. But it's you, okay, but it's just it's since just he started not, working with Kanye, you know. Yeah, it's it's like it's sort of like he's um I don't know, like he just doesn't. I mean, it's fine. This that's the problem for me. It's it's all right. I can listen to it. But it's just doesn't interest me as much as his uh, first album did. Mm. I think a lot of people feel that way. To be honest, I'm not. I'm not a Bonnie Iver fan, but I mm. I hear that a lot. I he, I remember the reaction to his first album was huge. Like you yeah. kind of couldn't get away from it. And then I don't know. There's nothing that he's done since then that seems to have excited people in the same no, way. It's like apart from his work with Kanye. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know. Does he still work with Kanye? I think he, yeah, I think he was on the last Kanye album on on Ye, maybe. I I can't remember because there's all these things about like he, he recorded a bunch of stuff with a bunch of people that never made it onto the album. So I don't know mm. if there is any Bonnie Vare stuff on it or not. I can't remember because I know that he made, apparently he recorded like a bunch of songs with Chance the Rapper that never ended up on the on the record. But they're also working on a joint album together. Apparently, uh, who knows? Who knows? So yeah, yeah. But you're not recommending Bonnie Vare. You're recommending Steve. Steve yeah, Stephen Wilkinson. Yeah, Bibio. B I B I O. B I B I O. B I B I O. Yeah. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. He's done. He's got a lot of records that are actually quite good. But his new one has come out recently. It's like he um, kind of uses like old sort of tape records, and when he uses when he records his guitars and things give it a bit more of that kind of very authentic sound you know very old yeah. school sound very real but he mixes it with kind of modern sort of real electric music, stuff proper music yeah I like it it's quite good yeah it's quite good okay so it's, yeah, it's quite good. you heard it from us C plus it's uh, about 7 out of 10 from my from pitchfork score I don't know yet I, I need to listen to the album a couple of times 7. to 9. really get an idea yeah man fuck pitchfork yeah <laughs> <laughs> um I think my recommendation. I I didn't really think about this too far in advance. I'm just thinking about it now. Um, uh, I'll recommend Nipsey Hussle's album that came out last year um, in honor of his his memory. Uh, Nipsey Hussle shot dead. Uh, was it last month um, in LA outside of his, his store? Um, just by all accounts, a great guy, community leader. Um, just pumped so much money into like his local community and helping people kind of you know take care of themselves and whatnot. Um, just a great great just role model for everybody um and then on top of that he also made great music great rapper his album that came out last year victory lap check it out um it's, it's really good it's got people like um uh, p diddy or puff daddy or whatever the fuck he calls himself now and kendrick lamar and the dream and CeeLo green um it, yeah loads of those are great albums, but yeah he's he's great on that album and um yeah it sucks sucks that he's gone um, but yeah, Nipsey Hussle, Victory Lap, check it out. Um, so that's cultural appropriation. 
and that about wraps it up unless I'm assuming there's no more developments in, in the Bigfoot world um, not at the moment no okay well we'll yeah we'll revisit that as and as Maybe, and when that story I will, develops I will do uh, sort of like a report this post style sort of breakdown of crazy stuff that's gone on mm. I'll have to try and work it out first but um, yeah. yeah yeah find all the worst Bigfoot yeah. takes and yeah. uh, we'll, we'll talk about them <laughs> like oh man if I still went to the those skeptic forums back in the day Man. that would be some great stuff but I don't know that's like that's like jumping into a big pile of dung it's a separate podcast yeah. from the sounds yeah. of it it's a yeah, yeah. Um, so not sure it'll be enough cultural cooperation but just yeah <laughs> All right. Um, so yeah, that, that's uh, that's about it for for this week. Hope uh, it's been informative. Um, sorry if it's been low energy. I've tried having listened back to the previous episodes. I'm trying not to uh, draw out my sentences like I just did, or go um or uh or yeah. You know, uh, it's like uh, it feels yeah. time. It feels time. Yeah, I'm trying not to use those filler phrases because I listen to it and it drives me mental. So I can't imagine what it must be like to actually listen to it and not be me. Um, so yeah, sorry for, for for that, but uh, like I said, I'm trying to sound less uh, mumbly. I'm trying to, uh, I think you're all right. You got like yeah. a, a sensual kind of uh, dulcet tone okay. vibe going on there. I think it's yeah, it's it's all right. You know, you don't have to worry. Um, it's me, it's me that's uh, that's bringing us down. But anyway, Junior Funners for this week. Signing off. Bye bye. Bye. <laughs>